Hey everyone and welcome to No Planet B, a podcast where we're talking about climate change and its effects on planet A. I'm Wyatt. And I'm Brianna. This week we're talking about the Pleistocene and Friends, also known as the Ice Age. Why was it so dang cold back then and why is it hotter than spicy soup now? Right now it's way hotter than spicy soup. Um, Yeah, we interviewed Dr. Jeff Chanton, um, a professor at FSU and widely published um, in areas like atmospheric gases. Uh, it was a really fun interview to do, very informative, and uh, we hope you enjoy. Here it is. Here you go. Here we go. To start the discussion off, um, could you define what exactly the Pleistocene was? The Pleistocene is what we call the Ice Ages, and they started about two million years ago. And during the Ice Ages, the climate was driven by these changes in the orbital variations of the Earth, the so-called Milinkovitch cycles. And they have different periodicities, a 100,000-year one, a 40,000-year one, and a 20,000-year one. And they combine and phase in and out with each other to change the amount of solar radiation that comes into the Earth. And that small variation in solar radiation was enough to trigger climate changes that were amplified by these feedbacks of the Earth's albedo and the CO2 and methane concentrations in the atmosphere. Is it possible for us to see a climate similar to the Pleistocene if we keep emitting CO2 at the rate we're doing it today? Well, the Pleistocene concentration of CO2 varied from 180 to 280. And during the ice ages, when the ice came down as far as New Jersey, the glacial times, the CO2 concentration was about 180 parts per million. And during the warm periods in the Pleistocene, it was reached as high as 280 parts per million. And so it varied by 100 ppm. And temperature varied by about 8 degrees centigrade with this 100 ppm variation. So now the CO2 concentration is 400 parts per million, or over you know, 100 ppm greater than anything in the Pleistocene. And so, in my opinion, I think we have left the Pleistocene behind. We have entered a new app that's called the Anthropocene. It's a human-induced climate variability, and we are like a geological force that has changed the climate of the planet. And the fact that the Earth's climate can change by these little variations in orbit just says that the Earth's climate is very easy to change. Okay? Just because the Earth's climate changes naturally doesn't mean that we haven't changed it. The Earth's climate is easy to change. It's very mutable. So it's it's changing on its own, and also we're changing it. Um, what exactly controls CO2 concentrations? There's like humans controlling it, and then there's also just like the natural concentrations. What exactly goes into the natural ones? On a million-year time scale, okay, a million years. So on really long periods of time, like from the Cretaceous to the present, the CO2 is controlled by two processes, volcanism, the recycling of the Earth's crust, and weathering. The CO2 attacks newly exposed rocks, and it forms carbonic acid in the water, and then it dissolves, and it goes downstream, and in the ocean it forms calcium carbonate, or limestone. And so volcanism releases CO2, and weathering absorbs CO2. In the Pleistocene, those were shorter-term variations, and those variations were initiated by changes in the Earth's orbit, but then you had feedbacks of the Earth's reflectivity and the CO2 concentration. So if the Earth's orbit changed such that the sunlight decreased by a little bit, 
you'd have colder summers. And colder summers would result in places where the snow never melted in the summer. And that would increase the reflection of sunlight and make it colder. And when it got colder, you stored more ice on the land and increased the reflectivity, the albedo. And when you did that, you're storing more and more ice on land, and so sea level starts to drop. And then as sea level drops, you get dustier conditions. The, the, the dustier conditions that happen in glacial times because of the transfer of water from the oceans to the continents as ice sheets, that causes, well, the, the, iron, the dust has iron in it. And so that goes out over the oceans and that fertilizes the oceans and it increases primary production in the oceans and that transfers carbon to the deep sea and that draws down the CO2 concentration as well. So those two things act to magnify and enhance the solar variation that's caused by the orbital parameters. And then when the sunlight gets stronger because of the changes in Earth's orbit, that causes the ocean to degas the ocean warms up, it degasses, that releases CO2 back to the atmosphere, and that CO2 warms the planet as it's degassing, which causes more degassing. And so it's like a rock rolling down the hill, okay? The solar variation pushes that rock forward, but then the CO2 and albedo effects keep the rock rolling. So what, what would you tell to someone who says to you that climate change is just natural because of Milankovitch cycles? I would say that the Earth's climate is very easy to change. The Milinkovitch cycles are a very small push on climate, and they, revolt, they result in very large swings. And so human activity is a pretty large push on climate, and that too will result in climate swings. Just because the Earth's climate changes naturally, that doesn't mean that we can't have an effect. So in the Pleistocene, the Earth's climate, the temperature responded by 8 degrees centigrade with a 100 parts per million change in CO2 from 180 to 280. Now, with the anthropogenic effect, we've gone from 280 to over 400. So if the temperature goes up 8 degrees from 180 to 280, doesn't it seem pretty reasonable that we'll go up from 280 to 400? I mean... Yeah. What are people thinking? How can they, you know? Mm. And I have to say that the people that deny this, yeah, the current government, are not thinking about young people whatsoever. You know, they're just thinking about themselves and the next quarterly profit. And I really, it's just, it's, it's wrong. It's criminal. Rapid warming occurred at the end of the Pleistocene? Uh-huh. Is that, okay. So how did that affect life on earth the rapid warming at the end of the pleistocene we call that the holocene so when that happened but it happened over thousands of years that was a thousand year time scale process as that happened the glaciers withdrew and um, biomes that were at lower latitudes moved to higher latitudes but you know that the time scale of that was such that ecosystems had a chance to evolve and respond to that the change that we're looking at is going to happen on a much shorter time scale, and it'll be harder for ecosystems to adapt. And that's um, that's I actually just heard about it today. The the hockey stick graph. Uh huh. That's like all all the temperature changes from all the past eras, and then where we're at now. And it it not only goes higher than before, but at a much 
like quicker scale. Absolutely. The change that's occurring on the earth right now is unprecedented. Yeah. In every way, you know, in our technology change and our CO2 change and our temperature change, mm. everything is happening so fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's the scary part. Yeah. Okay. What would you say are the biggest factors contributing to ath- uh, anthropogenic climate change? It's the increase in CO2 and methane and nitrous oxide in the atmosphere. And that's driven by fossil fuel consumption, land use change, and agriculture. And so we have to use new sources of energy that don't produce as much CO2. And we have to change our diets so that we are having less of an effect. We need a sustainable lifestyle so that we can leave something for future generations, not only you guys, but the children that you might have. We're just gobbling everything up. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned changing diet. Is that, because I've heard a little bit about that, is that like changing from red meat to like chicken? Because I've heard that one. Or replacing like um, protein from cows with like beans. We spend an awful lot of our land surface growing food for cows. Okay. And that takes a lot of energy and you know agriculture right now uses a lot of fossil fuel for the nitrogen the fertilizer that's produced Mm -hmm. we use fossil fuel for that and we ship vegetables and produce over large distances um but the main thing is is cows require a lot of energy Mm -hmm. they're very greenhouse gas intensive okay and so even eating chicken is is better eating Plant a plant-based diet is even better than that. Yeah, very cool. Um, I did read one today on, so I found a new website that's one of my new favorites. Uh, it's called JunkScience.com, uh-huh. and it's basically sort of like a critical look at news articles, and it's people saying um, like everything is titled a claim, and then it'll be someone's comments on a scientific journal or something, uh, and usually they're like they don't believe that climate change is um, something that humans have done. But they they mentioned that sea level rise could be explained mostly through tectonics. How do you feel about that? Certainly, Strongly. rates of plate tectonics can affect sea level rise. Mm-hmm. However, the, there isn't an, any evidence for an increase in seafloor spreading rates right now. When, when seafloor spreading rates are high, like they were in the Cretaceous, that increases volcanism and increases CO2 and rises sea level. But just because you could explain it that way doesn't mean that you can explain it that way. And we can explain it perfectly well with a rising temperature. Because when temperature rises, it affects sea level in two ways. One, you have the thermal expansion of water. So when water gets warm, it expands, it becomes less dense, and it takes up more room. And the other factor is the melting of the ice on land. When that ice warms up and melts, it runs into the sea. And we can explain the observed sea level rise with those two processes. Yeah. We don't need plate tectonics. Yeah. You know? I agree. Yeah, well, it's like Occam's razor. It's just, it's literally like the easiest way to explain something is often the correct one. And it's like just because some other thing could explain it, you know, like, okay, the sun is getting more intense. You could explain it that way. But that's not happening. They try. They have tried just about everything. Um, if there were to be another ice age, would that offset the effects of global warming? The easiest way that we could go into an ice age now mm-hmm. would be if there was a nuclear war, 
and that injected a lot of particulate matter into the atmosphere, which then reflected the sunlight, increased the albedo in that way, and drove down temperatures. So, but I don't think nuclear war is really the answer to this problem. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> a meteorite could also do this, but I'd prefer that we not be hit by one. I would agree. <laughs> Green energy is a much easier solution. Yeah, and safer. Um, I have a question for me. Okay. Uh, what is the global warming hiatus? The global warming hiatus, um, a few years back, there was a period when the air temperature held steady for a few years. And the climate skeptics attacked that and said, well, climate change is not happening. Mm -hmm. However, most of the heat on the surface of the Earth is stored in the oceans. And the ocean temperature, the water temperature, was increasing over that whole time. And so a lot of these folks will just cherry pick these trends and say, oh, well, this is evidence that it's not happening. It's like when people, it's like when we have a really cold winter and they say, look, we're having a cold winter. There's no evidence for climate change. The fact of the matter is that environmental data is very noisy and it swings around. It has a lot of variability in it. And so you have to have these long-term trends to be able to pick out the trends from the noise. And so for a few years, the temperature in the air didn't rise, but then it shot up again and started to rise. There's just a lot of variability in, in environmental data, and it is noisy. Yeah, That's why we have really cold winters. You know, it's like the guy walking on the beach, and he's walking back and forth and back and forth, but he is walking down the beach. Oh, yeah. You know? I like that a lot. You should see tide data. I mean, like, tidal records are mm. so noisy. And you almost have to have, you know, like 100 years of data to pick out the sea level rise trend in tidal station data because it is so noisy. But if you do have a long-term trend, it's pretty apparent. Yeah. What's What area or what subject do you think would be the most important for someone to learn about if they didn't know much about climate change going on right now we scientists not just me but also you know the scientific community we have really made a lot of advances in the last hundred years learning about how the earth works and we have a pretty good idea about what's happening on the earth and what has happened on the earth and all of our knowledge points to the fact that the way we're living on the earth right now is unsustainable, and, and it really needs to change. And the, the thing that's really hard for people is that it's, it's difficult to do this through individual actions. We need like a collective societal approach to making these changes. We all have to get our energy. We can't, everybody's not going to put solar powers, solar panels on their house. We need to have solar farms. We need to have windmills. And we have to do this in a societal way. We have to work together. And the trend of society, really since World War II, has been for more and more individual freedoms and more and more individual actions. And so people are concerned that working together as a people, as a society, is going to take away their freedoms. And, you know, we don't want to do that, but we do need to we do need to make some changes mm. as a society. And it's, you know, oh, the government's trying to tell us what to do. And so it's just a really difficult situation that we're in right now.
Is there anything you'd want to like advertise on here? Or I would just apologize idea? for my generation to your generation because <laughs> we have really not done a very That's good very job kind. of, you know. But I tell you, when I was your age, it looked like things were going to turn around, and the seventies were a remarkable time. Yeah, and it looked like everything was going to be great, you know. But then we elected Ronald Reagan, and <laughs> it was it was a terrible blow for me. I mean, it was you know, it was just like really hard to get over that and yeah since ronald reagan um things have been different things have been different things have been <laughs> yeah, different uh, like jimmy carter when he was a president he really got it you know and he put solar panels on the white house and he mm. turned down the thermostat and he wore a sweater yeah you know he was a great president and they made fun of him for that is there anything else that that's topical for this any like recent research or anything. Oh, yeah, I mean, just read the paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's in there every day, you know? Every yeah. day. I, I teach environmental science, you know, and I, yeah. use, the, I use, use the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal for information because there it is every day. Yeah. It's just right there, you know? Very cool. Well, yeah, I think that's all we have for you. Okay. Great. Yeah, thank all you right. so much. Sure. This has been fun. Yeah. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Yeah. And again, I'm sorry. <laughs> we messed up, you know. It's all good. It well, hopefully we can. Wasn't win. my fault, though. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> Wowza! That was a fun episode to listen to together. As friends. As friends, I like to think we're friends with our with people who listen to this. Yeah, thank you guys. That's kind of the point. Um, yeah, so that was a fun interview to do. I'll say it again. I'll say it a hundred times. I don't care. It was fun to do. It was fun. Um, <laughs> Capital F-U-N. Yeah, so we, um, we, you know, we always ask our guests if they have anything to plug or anything they want to advertise. We asked Dr. Chanton, and he did just say to read the news. So there's not much we can do there. But if you want to follow our Instagram, it is NoPlanetBFSU, and our Twitter is NoPlanetBCast, where we're going to be posting all of our relevant leaks, uh, links and citations and whatnot hopefully we'll have some content that you'll enjoy maybe it'll be a little bit funny yeah we're not talking climate gate or anything we're talking climate change we're not talking climate gate because we're tired of talking about emails man so many emails i have like thousands of emails on my phone yeah i have that little that notification that little red bubble it's like twelve thousand. i feel like that's type b personality i'm like the opposite type a where i have like two can i make a joke Sure. No planet type B. Ooh. I mean, <laughs> what's your blood type? Uh, planet B. Positive. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And we hope you have a very good rest of your whatever increment of celestial cycle you have left. Time's relative. Time is relative. But yeah, have a good one. Um, if you like the episode, give it five stars or. You know, four, you know, be fair. Tell your friends. Yeah, no, we want you to be fair. <laughs> Hopefully not a three. <laughs> okay, this is okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening, guys. <laughs>